to praise Him. Tell Him how much you love Him. We're grateful to Him. The Spirit of the Lord would say to you this morning, My peace I've left with you. My peace I've given unto you. If you truly believe that this morning, then shout out, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Come on, I'm free. I'm free. The redeemed of the Lord shall say so. We're free. We're free. Say, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free indeed. Because the Son has set me free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You cannot be the same if you continue to say that. I, I was having a rough day and coming into church. It was on Saturday night last year. And I pulled out of my driveway and I just kept saying, I'm free. And by the time I hit Lutz Road, which is a couple roads down from my house, I started saying it a little louder. By the time I hit 19, I was shouting it. By the time I got to church, I was a happy camper. <laughs> Whatever problems was there, they were gone. Because I'm free. Amen. You're free. Let's give thanks to, to Brother Jeff. Now, I don't know about you, but man, the Holy Spirit just like follows him around. Whenever he plays, he just, we just enter into worship, you know, and it's just so easy and it's just so good. And so he's a blessing to our body, isn't he? Amen. Amen. But you know what? He follows you. He's right with you, too. He goes wherever you go. He goes wherever I'm at. So I'm going to open up in prayer. The Lord told me mm, a couple of weeks ago, He said, you start praying, the, start praying my word more often. Instead of just praying what you want to pray, you pray my word. So let's open up in prayer. Father, we thank you right now, according to Luke 4.18, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. Because He has anointed us in this meeting this morning. He has anointed us to preach the gospel, and we believe in that gospel. He has sent us and healed us of brokenheartedness. He has given us liberty. He has given us sight. He has set us at liberty where once we were oppressed. And we're here today, Father, to proclaim that this year, 2012, this day, January, is the acceptable year of, your, of our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe that? Amen. amen. This is a good day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we're already glad and rejoicing in it. But this is the best year that you and I will ever have. Amen. you believe that? You're going into 2012, what is this, the 12th? 12th? We already had 12 good days. And man, just think of what the Lord has in plan for us for the rest of this year. It's good. But what we're going to talk about today, you know, Jeff started out saying about talking about freedom. You know what? If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, who He sets free is free indeed. But you know what? We know a lot of Christians, you might be here today, that are already been set free, but they're not so free. Why is that? Because they're not saying so. You have to say so. Okay? There's lots of Christians that have already been set free, but man, what's coming out of their mouth is, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. How am I going to deal with this? And, and they're not really free. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So, today, first of all, thanks for coming out today. I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. Glad to see your faces. Glad to see you here. I prayed, the Lord, whoever's supposed to be here this Thursday morning, you lay it upon their hearts. You get him here however you see fit. You just get him here because uh, I can assure you he's got a good uh, lesson, a, a good message here for you today. I hope you came believing to receive because uh, today we're going to, I hopefully, wrap up uh, Disciplines of Faith number four was, was Watch Your Mouth, okay, which is a biggie. And he's had us on this for a while, but I hope to finish it up today. So we're going to continue on the series of Disciplines of Faith. I heard the voice of the Lord say this as I was preparing. All I heard was indicator. And I kept hearing indicator. And, you know, I said, Lord, what's that? And all I heard was indicator. You know, the Lord, 
a lot of times gives you one word, one word, and then he expects by faith that you'll meditate and, and study it out and ask him and question him. And all I heard was indicator. And I said, what's that mean, Lord? And he went on to reveal to me that this is what this series that we've been on and when I've been sharing, um, the disciplines or steps of faith, as Paul calls them, they're indicators. You know, is it with any machine, say with your vehicle or with tools, if you work with machinery or tools, there's indicators, you could call them gauges, on your vehicle that tell you when things are running properly, and then there's also tell you when something's about to break or something's about to go wrong. Well, that's what these disciplines of faith are. They're indicators. So as, as we go through this lesson today, and if you missed any of the previous ones, you can go back and get them on CD. And this is going to continue to go on for a while. I don't know how many disciplines or steps of faith the Lord will have, but i got quite a few in the process that I'm working on right now that will continue throughout the beginning of this year. The indicators tell us when things are okay and functioning properly, but they also tell us when things are not functioning properly. And that's a good thing, indicators, gauges, because a lot of times we know what the Word says, we've been studying it, we've been following it, we've been meditating on it, and yet we're not getting the results. And indicators are good, they're gauges, because they can tell us maybe where we're a little bit off track, maybe where we need a little bit of a tune-up, Maybe we need a little bit of oil, maybe a little bit of antifreeze, maybe we need a battery charge, you know what I'm saying? Come on, you, you wouldn't drive your car, except Pastor John maybe would be the only person who would ignore a gauge on the, on the car, right? I mean, he could care less about gauges, he could care less about indicators, he's just going to drive it through. You've heard him talk about working on his dad's vehicle. But uh, we've been looking at very various disciplines of faith, or Paul calls them in Romans 4.12, the steps of faith. The steps of faith, Romans 4.12. You can, you can look that up later. But I like to refer to them as the nuts and bolts of faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen? Come on now, we're faith people, we go to faith church. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Sickness is in the world. Disease is in the world. This is healing service. That's kind of what we're referring things to. But those things are in the world. But God is higher than those. And he says that our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So whatever problem you're having or encountering, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's relationship, uh, faith is the victory that can overcome those things. Amen? Amen? Come on, you guys believe that. So a real quick review, discipline or step number one was to submit to the Word of God or put God's Word first place. That's step and discipline number one. For without step and discipline number one was putting God's Word first place or submitting to God first, you will not know what all the other steps are because all the other steps and disciplines fall underneath the Word of God. You're going to have to be in the Word of God. You're going to have to put God's Word first place. And you know that, but uh, that is step and discipline number one. Step and discipline number two was to acknowledge him in all our ways, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, to acknowledge him in all our ways. You know, you can do step number one. You can put God's word first place, and, and you can submit yourself to him, and yet you can still miss it by being out ahead of him, being behind him, trying to push through things. You know, our example is the Lord Jesus Christ. He found himself in the Word, like you and I are doing. You know, step discipline number one. We find our place in the Word. What does the Word say? And then what did he do? He conversed with the Father, right? He didn't do anything. He says, I do nothing except what I hear my Father say. I don't, I don't say anything that I don't hear him say. I don't do anything that I don't see him do. So acknowledging God in all our ways. And people take that and, and, and they say all our ways and they shun back from that. And, and guys, I say it's as simple as just conversing with God in every decision. Just say, Lord, what should I say to these people today? What should I say to this person passing in the hall? How would you want me to do it today? When you get up in the morning, hey, Lord, how are you doing? What would you want me to do? How would you want me to say it? What would you want me to, how would you want me to act towards this person? Acknowledging him in all ways. You could say step or discipline number two was prayer. Communion, communing with God. Just conversing with him. Step and discipline number three was to stay in love. This is a big one. Our faith works and operates by love. Okay? So, 
this is a good indicator. This is a good gauge that if you're doing step in discipline number one, you're putting God's word first place. Number two, you're acknowledging him in all your ways. And then things still aren't going the way that you th know that they should, the way the word says. Check your love walk. Are you walking in love towards your spouse? You're working, walking in love towards the people you work with? How about your neighbor who lives next door? Sometimes that's a challenge, right? How about the guy down the street that's got the dog that's always doing something in your yard? Are you walking in love towards these people? Come on. I mean, I'm just using a simple illustration here. But our faith works and operates by love, okay? That's a biggie. Which brings us to discipline step number four. I, want, I had to go through those quickly because I, I want to get into the lesson here. And you can go back and get those disciplines, uh, num number one, two, three, and four. This is actually the fourth part of or discipline number four, was to watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. So you can do step discipline number one was to acknowledge God, or I mean, put God's word first place. Submit to him. You can do step in discipline number two was to acknowledge him in all our ways. You can do step number three was to walk in love and then undo everything with your mouth. You can undo it all just by saying negative words, by saying words that are contrary to the word of God. And he will allow you. And that's what we're going to look at today, guys. Our words are so powerful. More powerful than we've ever even estimated or understood. Okay? <clears throat> But discipline step number four was to watch your mouth. Proverbs 21.23 says, Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Well, wait, there you go right there. We already know because we've studied the Word and in this church you know that our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. So the Word is saying, God is saying to us, whoever can guard his mouth and his tongue can keep his mind in check, can keep his will in check, and keep his emotions in check. Well, let me tell you guys, if we can keep our mind, will, and emotions in check and in order, we'd be in good shape, right? Come on, we'd be, we wouldn't have a whole lot of troubles. Okay? So, the Bible's saying, guard your mouth, guard your tongue. Your life today, a couple key statements we've looked at over the last couple of weeks, your life today is a result of the words you spoke yesterday. You can believe that or not believe it, but it is, that's the truth. So, if you don't like your life right now, and you don't like the way things are going, or the way things are happening in your life, you can change that by the words you speak. Okay? You can change that by starting to listen to what's been coming out of your mouth. And if you don't like what's been happening in your life, if you don't like the circumstances that you're in, just check yourself, an indicator, a gauge, and listen to by what's been coming out of your mouth. You're saying, oh man... Uh, I can't go. I want to go to work. I can't deal with my kids. I can't deal with this. I don't. You know, I'm going to get. Yeah. If, and those things are indicators that why you've been missing it, and why you haven't been uh, operating in the fullness of God is because of what you're saying. So powerful what we're saying. But you can change that. You can change that. The indicator is saying, hey, don't say those things. Those are those are contrary to the Word of God. Start speaking the Word of God. And you know, one quick way, guys, to just change it overnight is to just zip this thing up. If we could just zip this thing up and, and not allow this thing to just start running or saying things before we even think about them or before we converse with God or before we look into His Word, we'd save ourselves tons of grief just by zipping this thing up. So if you can change your words, you can change your life. What a, what a great statement. I mean, you know, so simple, but yet so profound that if you change your words and your words line up with the Word of God, we're not talking about just any words here. You know we're in, we're in church. We're in Bible study. You can change your life. Our words are the number one indicator, the number one gauge of our faith. Our words are the number one indicator. You know, your, what's your number one indicator or gauge in your vehicle? Gas gauge, you ain't, you ain't going too far. You know, you might ignore the oil, the water, antifreeze. You might, uh, you might ignore the battery, but you're not going to ignore that gas gauge too long. Well, our words are the number one gauge to our faith. So we want to see where our faith is, and we're faith people. We're to live by faith. We're to speak by faith. We're to walk by faith. Then we're, the one, number one indicator of that is the words that are coming out of our mouth. So, we're going to start with a few alert indicators. 
Okay, these are ones like, you know, when something's in the red or something's, uh, you know, getting ready to break down or something's getting ready to malfunction. We're going to start with a few of those just so we're aware. It's, it's good to be aware of what we have an enemy, you know. We know that, right? He's trying to come against us, trying to break us down, trying to get our vehicle over the side of the road, ineffective, not going to where we want to go. So it's good to, it's good to look at some of these indicators and see if they're on, you know, they're getting to the point where they're hitting the red side, the gauge. Red means alert, means, hey, you better stop, take a check here. These will keep us from getting into trouble. I'm going to read to you Proverbs 26.20. You can turn there. This is where we left off last time. Proverbs 26, verse 20. And the reason I'm picking back up here, guys, is I got a lot of comments and, and, and people uh, were just, you know, they, they were asking me questions and, and things about where I left off. Because I believe this is a biggie. We're in healing service on Thursday morning. And I believe this is a biggie when people have sickness and disease in their life when, they, when uh, things aren't going right in their life, uh, I believe that this is one of the main contributors to that. It says in Proverbs 26.20, you might read this and say, what in the world, How are you, where are you going from this? But it says, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no tail bearer, strife ceases. So if you were here last time I shared, we ended on this. Then guys, I want you to really pay attention to this right now because this is a good indicator. Strife equals stress. Stress and strife are the two sides to the same coin. You know, when I pick out a quarter here, and you know it has a head and has a tail, they're both different, but it's the same coin. If it lands on the tails, it's still a quarter. If it lands on the head, it's still a quarter. I'm telling you that stress and strife are the two sides to the same coin. You can't, you can't uh, separate them. Stress and strife are a major cause of sickness and disease in our bodies. The Bible says, this is God speaking, this isn't Pastor Chris, he says, where there is strife, there is every evil thing. Isn't sickness and disease evil? Man, you look at people and, man, I go to the hospitals all the time, I get calls about people that are, you know, got sickness and disease and it gets me so mad and gets me so angry at the devil. It's evil. There is nothing of God in sickness and disease. It is evil. It breaks people down, tears people apart. It just ruins sickness and disease is evil. Well, I'm here to tell you today, not all the time, but a main contributor to sickness and disease is strife, stress and strife. Stress and strife. Give it no place in your lives. Give it no place. Stress and strife for the most part, are activated by our words. You know that? Either activated by our words or by somebody else's words towards us. Pastor Chris didn't say hello to me when he walked by. Pastor Chris didn't return my phone call. I can't believe that guy did this. I can't believe she said that to me. Blah, 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 blah. And what happens is, is you let stress come into your life and then what happens is, is you let something come out of your mouth that is contrary to what God would want you to, to say or to be or to do to that person, and strife begins. And that's what we're going to look at very briefly here. And guys, have you ever been, this is an illustration, but it goes right along with Proverbs 26, 20, where it says, where there's no wood, the fire goes out, and where there's no tail bearer, strife ceases. Have you ever got yourself in a conversation and soon as you started talking or the other person started talking, you smelled something burning. Like, this isn't right. This isn't right. Come on now. Come on, we've all been there, whether you want to admit it or not. And you smell something burning, and you know that this conversation isn't going where it should. Either the other person is saying something that you know that you don't want to be involved with, you know it's contrary to the Word of God, or... You've allowed yourself to just spout something out, and you know you'd like to pull those words back in, but yet you've let them out there. We've all been there, okay? In our house, if you're married and you own a house, I know this has happened to you. It happens to Jerry and I 
not all the time, but I can think of numerous times this has happened where she's come to me or yelled at me in another room and said, hey, you smell something burning? And I'll say to her, hey, is this, it smells like something burning here. Now, don't do that when she's cooking something. <laughs> but, you know, I've been in the basement or something. You know, you just get a whiff of something and you say, is there something burning? You know that there's something wrong. Indicator, right? A gauge. All right? Well, listen, guys, if you find yourself in that conversation, just beginning, just starting, or you've been in it for like a couple sentences or a couple paragraphs, you know what? When you start smelling that smoke from this point out, you're accountable for what you've heard. I'm talking to myself here. You can, you can walk away from that conversation or you can change the subject. You have the power to do that. And when you do that, the smoke will leave because the flame is left and the fires went out. But if you continue down that path, the Bible's very clear that you'll just enter into that, well, I'm just, see, I used to justify it. I used to say, I'd get in a conversation with someone, I knew it wasn't right, I knew it wasn't going to where it should be, and I used to justify it by saying, well, I'm just a nice guy and I'm just trying to be polite and I'm just, you know, going along with the conversation. No, 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 I can't allow that stuff to go on. That is stress. When I know it's wrong and I continue in it, that's a sin. And it's strife, okay? I have the power, you have the power, to walk away from that conversation or to change the subject. And don't you know that when you changed the subject or walked away, the fires went out on your behalf? You can't change someone else, is a way of thinking and talking. It might still be burning heavily in them. And you know what? Uh, pray for them. Pray for them. But you don't have to enter into that. Okay? Walk away from it. Keep this trap shut. Give it no place. James 3.6 says that the tongue can put out a fire or it can spark a fire. That's what we're talking about. And if it keeps on working, if it keeps on working, you find yourself, you smell smoke and you know something's not right and you continue in that, you know what's going to happen? Is It isn't going to be too long. You have a little bonfire going there. And if you let it go for a long period of time and you don't ask for forgiveness or you don't change that conversation, you know what it'll end up being? It'll end up being a forest fire. And man, people can get hurt in forest fires, right? People can get You could get hurt. We don't want to get there. Those are indicators, okay? You've heard people say, how am I ever going to get out of this situation? What can I do? Change your words. Change your words. Zip it up. You know what? Sorry, man, I got to go. Sorry, you know, I... Uh, I hear what you're saying, but I just can't participate with that. Zip it up. Walk away. You have the power to do that. It is so much, so much better to do that, guys, than to find yourself in the middle of a forest fire and then saying, I don't know how I ever got here. How did God allow me to get in this position? And a lot of us have been there at one time or another. We're like a vehicle. We are like a vehicle. We run on gas and fuel. No gas or fuel. We already looked at that as being the number one indicator in a vehicle. You're not going anywhere. So what we need to do is fill her up. We need to fill this vehicle up with the most high-octane fuel, which is the Word of God. I fill my tank up, and that's the only way I'm getting somewhere. So that, no matter where I'm trying to go, no matter what happens, the only thing that's coming out of me is the Word of God. If I only fill myself up with the Word of God, that's the only thing that's coming out. If I fill myself up with the things of the world... Uh, what they're telling me on TV or radio or what the world would say out there, then, man, when something happens and my indicators are saying something's going wrong, then more than likely those things are going to come out of my mouth and they're going to contribute to the problem instead of trying to solve or change the situation. Okay? The only thing that's proceeding out of my mouth where we want to get to be is the Word of God, that high-octane fuel. doesn't get any higher than that. Okay, but you have to put that in first. You have to fill her up. So what's the opposite of strife? What's the opposite of strife and stress? You know, come on. Peace. Peace. Perfect peace. You know that you and I can have perfect peace in this world, Jesus says, but not of it. Perfect peace, which surpasses all understanding. See, I love that verse in Philippians because 
I am the kind of person who like to figure things out and like to know the ins and outs of it, but you know what? The Lord spoke to me a while back and said, it surpasses understanding. I don't have to know everything about it. I don't have to understand it all. I believe by faith that I have the peace of God, and I, I've got to the point where I believe I'm a minister of peace, and, and, and I go around laying hands on everybody I can come in contact with. probably laid hands on most of you. You might not even have known it when I come in here today. I just believe that I'm a distributor of peace. Okay, I have exceedingly above and beyond what I need for myself, so I'm distributing it. And, and, and you are that way too, whatever God has laid upon your heart. But you have the perfect peace of God. Lord, I don't know why that person said that to me. You might find yourself back in that little bonfire or a spark is ignited and you smell something wrong. Why did that person say that to me? How could they do that to me? Or I can't believe they're treating me that way. You know what you need to do? Speak out of your mouth. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. Is that not what Jesus did? You know what? That's not easy, but I've started to do that in my life just because I've, I've studied the Master and I saw as He was hanging on the cross for the people He came to save and to came to deliver and set free. They killed Him and crucified Him and spit on Him and drove spikes in His hands and hung Him up naked and, and all that stuff. And His words were, Forgive Him, Father for they know not what they do. I pray that for our government. I pray that for our leaders. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. What that does, guys, is I'm telling you, you want to say that out loud, and I'm telling you, it'll release you. You want to be talk about set free and free indeed, when you can say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then I can walk away from there without taking offense. I can walk away from there with not having unforgiveness in my heart. I walk away from there free. They might just blaspheme Pastor Chris. They might just say, man, whoever put him in that position, whoever did it, and, and blah, 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 people talk. But you know what? Forgive him, Father. They know what they say. And I'm set free. They might not be free, but in my heart, in my mind, they're free. I'm free from that. I will not allow that to dictate or rule my life, walking in unforgiveness or taking offense. And all we're doing is, is imitating Ephesians 5.1. Jesus. That's what he did. If he did it, we can do it. Jesus said, he only said what he heard the Father say. We've heard that. We've looked at that many times. We're going to look at that in future studies too. But Jesus said he only said what he heard the Father say. And it always came to pass. It never did not come to pass. Why? Because it was Jesus? No. No. Because... He did step discipline number one. He sought the Word of God. He submitted the Word of God. He communed, step discipline number two, he communed and did not do anything that he didn't ask or see the Father do. And it came to pass because it was mixed with faith. So if you think that the only reason why Jesus said something and it came to pass all the time is because he was Jesus, he was the Son of God, then you're never going to be able to relate to the message of faith in the power of your words. But if I see that, that I can do, and he says we're his children, we're God's children, we're to imitate him. So if I do what Jesus did and I find the word pertaining to my situation, I believe it, I accept it, I put it down in my heart, and then I speak it out in faith, and I don't have to have understanding of it. Okay? Get that? I don't have to have understanding of it. I do it by faith. If I had understanding of it, I wouldn't need faith. You wouldn't need faith. So we do this by faith. I find His Word, okay? I speak it out, and I should expect to have the exact same results as the Lord Jesus Christ did. We should, okay? We should expect to have what we say. Isn't that Mark 11, 24? Verse we look at all the time. Our words either put the Holy Spirit and the angels to work, or they give place to the devil and his cohorts. That's just the way it is, guys. That's just the way it is. So the quicker we recognize that and acknowledge that, then the better off we'll be. Acknowledging it is the first step into walking in the fullness of God. If you say, I don't believe that, Pastor Chris, or, ah, I'll just shut, that down, shut down on it. Well, then you haven't, you haven't taken that step to move forward. Proverbs 18.21 says, Proverbs 18.21 says that life 
in death or in the power of the tongue. So wouldn't that confirm what we just said? That, you know, we're either putting the Holy Spirit and angels to work or we're giving the devil and his cohorts uh, uh, room to move and, and to work on our, in our lives too. There's power in the tongue. What have we been calling in, guys? What have you been calling in in your life? Hmm. I grew up in Zilli, Zillianople, down in an extension. It was like down where, it was just down in the lower part of Zillianople. And I had a great childhood, I mean. But I remember, as I was preparing this, this is why I brought this up, I like to use illustrations. Man, we didn't have video games, and uh, I don't ever remember watching TV during the day. You know, I just never do. We were always outside. And I, I ran around with a gang of kids. You know, Eric's sitting back here. I ran around with his uncle. And uh, we were just always outside. You know, always outside. But you know what? When it came to about 5 o'clock or 5.30, it was still at a time I grew up when people had dinner together and their mom and dad were there and you'd all come in and eat together. You weren't happy about it, but you did it. I mean, it was a great time looking back on that. But no matter where we were at, I can remember hearing my mom or one of my buddies' mom yelling, maybe a block away, dinner time, Chris, get back here, you know, yelling for us, okay? And man, I had a choice. I didn't really have a choice because if I let that go, my dad wouldn't be long behind her, <laughs> you know? So you knew you'd come home for dinner and you can go back out and play. But what I'm saying to you guys is my mom would call and, and I knew it was dinner time. Who are you calling and inviting into your house? Who are you calling and inviting to dinner? Are you putting God's word and his promises? Are you calling them into your life and setting things in motion? Or have you been speaking to things of the world and you know you hate what you see, you don't like it, and yet that's what you're speaking and you're having it. So it's just it's that simple. It's like who have you been calling to dinner? Who have you been inviting to dinner? Who's in power in your life? It's, it's, it's nice to sit in here and in a church say, well, God's in power in my life. Uh, he has, you know, he's number one in that. Is he really? Is he really? Who have we empowered? Because you are empowering either God and his word and, and the Holy Spirit and angels are, or you're empowering the devil in his angels or cohorts. I don't even like to refer to them as angels. Okay, You're empowering one or the other in your life. When we speak the word, heaven responds just as the Holy Spirit went to work when God spoke. He will do the same with us. We also learned, Pastor John uh, shared, I don't know, I think it was back in November, remember he was talking about angels? And he says that angels are dispatched when we speak the word of God. That's so powerful. They're hanging around, This is just picture this guys, they're hanging around up in heaven like PennDOT guys, hanging out <laughs> on clouds, just checking things out, just waiting, and then all of a sudden somebody speaks the word, and they're like, whoa, let's get to work, you know? The boss man just said something. That's, what, that's the picture I want you to remember, okay? They're waiting to go to work, okay? But how they go to work is not because God sends them. Now, he can, he can and he does send them for special missions, but for your and my behalf, it's when we speak the word of God, that's when they go to work. That's powerful to know that you have angels, and we're going to look at that at the end here. That's why i got to keep moving. Uh, you know, it tells us, we're not going to look there because of time, but it says in Genesis, you all know, in chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, it says that the Holy Spirit was just hovering over the waters. Remember, it was all without, it was void and dark, and the Holy Spirit was just hanging out. And God spoke, and boom, he went to work, went into action. That's what you and I need to have, that expectation. That it, not, I wonder if this will happen. Do you think God questioned when he said, let there be light? I wonder if the Holy Spirit's going to work with me today. I wonder if he's going to do really what I said. No, he spoke, and boom. And guys, we've allowed the devil, we've allowed the enemy, we've allowed the world, we've allowed ignorance to say, that it's different for you and I, his children. When it's not different, it wasn't different for Jesus. It should be not different for you and I. When we speak the word of God, we should expect that that thing's coming to pass. Amen? Amen. So powerful. So powerful. On the flip side, though, 
On the flip side of that, where you know we've all been, and maybe some are there today, but this is an indicator. We're talking about gauges. When we speak something contrary to the Word of God, the devil and his cohorts are just exactly the same. They're roaming about looking to see what you're going to say and how you're going to react. It's so important that you realize that, guys. The devil, listen to me, I want you to really hear that. The devil cannot, I said, he cannot break into your house. A lot of people disagree with me on that. The devil cannot break into your house. He has no power to break into your house. I'm not talking about your physical house. That's included. I'm talking about this house. He has no power to break into your dwelling. He is not God. Come on, somebody give me an amen. amen. He's not that powerful, guys. We've, we've made him out to be uh, baloney. He does not know our hearts, and he does not know our thoughts. Only God does. Hey, this is good news, man. I, 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 if you don't know this, I, I know you. a lot of you do, but it's just good to always remember this. How the enemy works in, your, in my life, how he's able to get access into our homes, is he watches. He watches and he listens. Because he doesn't know your heart, because he doesn't know your thoughts, he has to watch you to see how you're going to react, and he has to listen to see what you're saying. If you say something contrary to the Word of God, boom, he has access. If you act irrationally, if you act out of the peace of God, if you act like, ah, in, in fear, boom, he has place. He can work with that because he goes about looking and listening and seeing who he can have access into. I was ministering to someone the other day, and quite a bit I go through this, and they were struggling, they're going up and down. One day they're speaking faith, the next day they're speaking doubt. You know, we've all been there, I've been there, you know. And so there's no, I'm not pointing fingers or judging, but I relayed to them that, you know, we're in a battle. People don't like to think about that. We're in a battle, guys. This is no easy street. It's easy because we do it in and of His might and His power. But, I mean, we're in a battle. You have to recognize, well, a battle, any kind of battle, I've never heard of any battle that was just easy street. You're going to have to recognize it, roll up your sleeves, and know you're in a, in a fight here. And if we don't believe we're in a battle, we're just floating around like, K sera, sera, whatever it will be, will be, then we're deceived. We're really deceived. And I, I, I would say to you that I look around at the body of Christ, and, and man, it's not that I'm pointing fingers or passing judgment. I, I, we want to we wanna get them built up. We want to we share these things with them so they aren't being tossed to and fro. But here's the ammo that I give, gave them, and I give them to people all the time when they don't know they're in a battle. 2 Chronicles 16.9 is one of my favorite verses. And just write that down and because the time we won't be able to go there. But it, here's what that verse says. Very powerful verse. It says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth looking for someone whose hearts are devoted to them. Why? To show himself strong on their behalf. Oh man, if you, I could stop right there. We can go on that verse for a while. You've got to write that down. You've got to meditate on that. The eyes of the Lord, right now, this day, right this instance, he's, His eyes are roaming to and fro over all the earth, looking for someone whose heart is devoted to Him. I would say to you, you're already set up. Your hearts are devoted to Him. You're here on a Thursday morning. So you're qualified. It says that His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for someone to show Himself strong on their behalf. He wants to show himself strong on your behalf. Well, if God shows up and he's being strong, there's going to be some things that happen, man. I mean, come on. He is the most powerful God and everything that you see and experience, he's created it. So he is an all-powerful, almighty God and he's saying he wants to show himself strong on your and my behalf. I pray that every time I walk into this church. That's just what I do. And the reason I don't say that to, for any other reason is because I want you to say that. I want you to be there. I say, Lord, here I am. Do with me as you will. Show yourself strong in, in my behalf tonight, Lord. Use me however you see fit. 
And man, if you get a, a church of five, ten thousand people doing that, God's shown himself strong on behalf of ten thousand people. Talk about rocking a church or rocking an area. Okay? Now, that's God's side. Now here's the other one. I want you to turn to this one because we a lot of us have heard that. First Peter five eight. First Peter five eight. Remember, we're talking our words have the power of life or our words have the power of death in them. On one side, God's very attentive up there. He just showed us, 2 Chronicles 16.9, that He's looking to perform Himself. He's looking to perform Himself strong. I know you're in my behalf. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be on guard. Because your adversary, the devil, that means your enemy, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So here we got opposition. We got God looking to show himself strong, and we got the devil looking to take you out. So which one wins? I mean, uh, is it, it's cool to say that God always wins, and God, God. Uh, God is like in control of your life. But he only is as if you allow him. It's called free will. He will not force himself on you. He longs to take care of each and every one of us. He longs to protect each and every one of us. He longs to supply all our needs. He longs to deliver us from sickness and disease and from every evil thing. But there are people that reject God's word. You know that. There are people that aren't saved. Why? Because they don't believe. They haven't accepted it. And, and you just don't float around, guys. I mean, it's amazing to me. People just think you float like you can be in la-la land in between. No, you're either one or the other. It is that black and white. So it's not a lot of times good to share it that way with people because it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. But when it all comes down to it, somebody's just floating around saying, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'm just, you know, whatever happens. Well, there'll be a day when they're standing in front of the Lord and they're going to have to give an account. And it won't be a pretty day, man, because there is no floating around. You either accept Him or you reject Him. So, recognize and acknowledge that you're in a battle. And your words are your ammunition. And they're either going to put God to work and the angels to work and, and the Holy Spirit to work. I say God to work. You know, he's, he, you know what I'm saying, Okay. So I, I, I rephrase that. You're not going to put God to work. God's already done with everything that, we, that He's done. Or you're going to give the enemy place to work in your lives. Here's a great verse, and don't turn there, but I want you to, well, I want you to turn there because it's, I, I don't think a lot of, of us, I've read the Bible over and over and over. It ties in directly with what we're talking about. Micah. Even know where Micah's at, it's like in the, in the Old Testament there towards the back. Micah 7.5. Micah 7.5. If, you if you're not there yet, that's okay. Just write that down and you can go back and study it tonight or tomorrow or next couple days. We're talking about access. We're talking about giving access either to God or the enemy into our lives. In, in Micah 7.5, the last part of that verse says, Guard the doors of your mouth. Guard the doors of your mouth. I'd say get your highlighters out and underline that right there. Guard the doors of your mouth. He's, he's saying doors. And I want you to see, as we're studying right now, we're, we're asking, and maybe you're asking me today, I never really saw it this way, but we're saying, how is the devil got into my situation? How's he got into my circumstances? How's he got into my family? How's he got into this body to wreak havoc on me? Okay? And I'm going to show you today. Have you ever heard the expression, keep your trap shut? <laughs> my mom would used to say that, or my dad would say that, keep your trap shut. Like, this is a trap, you know? So, trap it is, too, guys. Trap it is. You know, like I said, the devil has no power to break into our houses. And if we keep those windows and those doors secure, what are the windows and doors in your, in your house, in this house that we're talking about? What are they? You know. 
your eyes, your ears, and your mouth. Those are the openings into your home. Okay? If I keep those things locked and secure, the devil has no way of getting in. But he's always on the lookout for a cracked window. He's always looking out for an open door. We just left the door unlocked. Just left it open a very little bit. You know that the devil can then get access into your life and into your home. How do you leave those doors open? How do you leave that window cracked? By words. It's no other way. It's by our words. So important. Idle words. Write this down. Idle words. Fear-based words. Desperate actions. And fear-based actions. In the Bible... Yeah, I'm sorry, I go a little fast. Idle words, fear-based words, words, desperate actions, and fear-based actions. In God's Word, they are are in direct correlation to open doors and open windows. So, this is a good indicator. If the enemy has got into your house today... You can cast him out. And from this point forward, check your windows and check your doors by the words that are coming out of your mouth. It says right in Micah, we already said there, we read that, that guard the doors of your mouth. Why would we have to guard them? Because the devil, the enemy, and his cohorts are looking. There, he's a sly, he's a conniving, no good. You could put whatever else on the end of that, you know. He's just a, he's a no good and he's just looking for an open opportunity into your and my life. You know he wants to take you out, don't you? In case this might be new news to you, but he wants to take you out. His objective, his modus of operation is to steal, kill, and destroy you and your family and everything about you. There's nothing good of the devil. The devil, we already looked at, and it's good for us to understand and have knowledge, he can only operate against us by watching us and listening to us. The Bible says he goes about as a roaring lion. Now, lions are part of the cat family. We have uh, farm cats at our house. My daughter and wife would say they're not farm cats, they're, they're house cats, but I don't like cats in my house, so they're farm cats. They're outside. When Pastor Chris goes to work, they probably come in the house. That's how it works, you know. But, you know, you know, you know cats, cats, man, if you watch them, you know, they're, they're actually, cats are lazy. They really are. I mean, they're okay. I mean, cats are all right, but they're lazy. But I like watching them because they're lazy, but yet, you know, they're, they're sneaky. And they kind of hide out. And then they, you know, they like go in for the kill, you know what I mean? And the Bible's very clear that, you know, Satan goes about as a cat. And I'm telling you, listen, if you can get this picture in your head, just picture him roaming up and down your street, very sly, conniver, just like hanging out, looking around, and just waiting. And you know what? He's waiting to hear what you're going to say, or he's waiting to see how you're going to react. If you come out of your house and... And you're like, oh, I can't believe my kid just did this. Or why is this always happening to me? He's like, boom. You know how a cat pounces? That's the way the devil is. He pounces and he says, I have access into your house. And then instead of us like shooing him out or stomping on him or doing whatever, you know, like a bad cat, we allow him to hang out in there for a while. He's wreaking havoc in our lives. We are commanded in James 4, 7 to resist the devil and he must flee. It doesn't say he might flee, like he might go away. No, it says, when I resist the devil, he must flee. How am I going to resist the devil? Come on, what are we talking about? By our words. By our words. That's how we resist the devil. That's how we send him to flight. That's how we get him out of our neighborhood. That's how we get him out of our house. That's how we get him out of our home. This is healing service. So when a cough comes... Do you want it? No. Come on. No. Then what are you going to do? Speak to it. When a sniff or a pain shows up at your front door, come on now. Come on. They say this is the time of year. Okay. Well, when a sniffle or a pain 
shows up at your front door, how long are you going to let it hang out in your front porch? Oh, yeah, you all agree with me now. <laughs> I'm speaking to myself. Okay, but what if that sniffle or that pain shows up at your front door tomorrow? Or on an off Thursday, not on a Thursday, I wonder if it's Friday or Monday. How long will you allow that to hang out in your front porch? How long will you allow that sniffle or that pain to knock on your door? How long will you allow that? Speak to it. Command it to get off your property. No trespassers allowed. Come on, guys. No trespassers allowed. It's interesting to me, I mean, as I see this, because we work in neighborhoods in my business, we, you know, I'm a contractor, this is interesting to me, that people will get angry, and they'll flip out, they'll call police, and sometimes crazy guys will even bear arms if someone tips a toes across their backyard. Come on, you know, you got crazy neighbors too, I bet. <laughs> And if your kids take a shortcut across their yard or somebody rides on their manicured Kemlon lawn, they start flipping out, freaking out, and sometimes they'll call the police. I'm talking about the dog, you know, doing his thing there, you know. And yet, when the enemy tries to come on our front porch and knock on our door with sickness and disease, we let him hang out. In the natural, we're aggressive. In the spiritual realm, we're not so aggressive. But that changes today, right? We can be aggressive. It's 11.09. I really wanted to get done with this, but I'm not going to be able to get done with it, guys, because i still got a few more pages. So we'll end it with this, that you, the power of life and death, and I promise you, please come back next time because we're going to finish this <laughs> discipline, step number four. I've said that the last three times, though. But I'm not writing any more notes after this one. This is it. This is it, okay? I promise you. One more time and we'll be done with it. But, you know, this is an important one. You know, it, it, because it hits home. It does, it, it's like there isn't any one of you that are going to go out of here today and not say something to somebody or even talking to yourself. I talk to myself. <laughs> so we've got to watch. This is, this is like this is setting things in motion. And I just want you to realize today, we, we actually talk more about uh, the, the alert indicators, meaning like don't, what not to do. And we talk a lot about indicators what the enemy's trying to come. But next week, the next time I share, it won't be next week, I'm sorry, but the next time I share, which will be next month in February, we're going to talk about good indicators. Indicators that are saying, pointing in the right direction, say, you know what, you're functioning properly. Everything's working good. Everything's running smoothly. That's what we want to hear. That's what we want happening in our lives. And we can do that just by taking control of the words that come out of our mouth. Father, I thank you and praise you for my sisters and brothers. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for uh, allowing us to get together today around your word, Lord. I thank that your word does not return to you void, but it accomplishes exactly what you set out for it to do. I thank you and praise you, Lord, that our lives are being tweaked and turned in the right direction, in your direction. And I thank you, Lord, we are changed today. I thank you. We're not the same as when we came in. And I thank you and praise you and give you all the glory and the honor, Father. And I speak the blessing of God. I decree it upon their lives, Lord, that they have a great day today, a great week. And we'll see them back here at church, Lord. And they shall accomplish all that you've called them to do and be. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Thanks, guys. Pastor Chris, there is a meeting. There is still a service next.